could. And reading the verse, I'm sure many of us here have read Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 8. And I was reading these verses. I came to realize that I don't have a hard time starting something new, although it may take a while. Starting is exciting, invigorating. But I came to realize humbly that I don't like endings. I'm definitely afraid of endings because it reminds me of pain and it feels like defeat. One of the hardest things for me at that season was coming to accept who I was and who I wasn't. Um, what I loved and what I didn't. How I was shaped and how I wasn't. But I continue to wrestle, how do I best serve God and his kingdom? I have to confess that I experienced a deep sense of loss during the season, grief, and even depression. And I found professional Christian therapy to be immensely vital in my process and the journey of restoration. I felt like a person limping and walking in this season but it was kind of humbling to remember that I've been preaching a certain message for a very long time, that a seed has to die to bear abundant fruit, that we have to bear the cross and die to have resurrection life, that the cross is the only way to resurrection new life. You have to die to live. But it's one thing to preach it or teach it, now I was compelled to believe it, trust it, and live it. Do you know what season of life you are in? Personally? Do you know what season of life CGS is in? What is the good Lord perhaps beginning in your life and in the life of CGS? And what might the good Lord be ending in your life and in CGS? The book of Ecclesiastes is a wisdom book, similar to the book of Proverbs or book of Job. And we are called to live out a God-fearing life in the context where sometimes it doesn't seem to have much meaning. The book teaches us that proper place and time is foundational, recognizing that to live out this life, God-fearing life. In chapter three, verses one through eight that we just read uh, through Kenny, we recognize this, there's seasons for all things. And if we recognize and cooperate with God's timing, life won't be meaningless, but in fact, it will be fruitful and beautiful. New Testament speaks in the language of the difference between chronos, just regular time, and Kairos, that divine time when God is moving, that special season. There is birth and there is death. We've all experienced that to a certain extent here. There's time of planting and plucking. If you did any work in the garden, you know what that might like, although I would think the vast majority of us are pretty far from that. It's what farmers people in the agricultural business experience 
every year. There is time for killing and healing. The times when diseases will decimate and the times when healing is so desperately sought out. There are times when stones are cast out into the field and there are times when stones are picked up, cast out to perhaps prevent farming to happen after one power um, takes over another territory or stones are picked up to begin the planting process to get the field ready or perhaps to build something else. There are times when we are to embrace and show affection in times when we refrain. There are times when we tear, rip things apart, and there are times when we are to mend and sew back. There are times when we are to love, and yes, there are times when we are to hate. During these seasons for all time, life has a cycle. All things have a starting point, an ending point. It's the way they the cycle usually works. If you're a farmer, in spring, what you would do is you would clean out the dead plants. You'll gather the seeds that you'll be planting. You'll get the fields ready. You'll have gathered enough resources and you'll begin to sow and plant, protecting those seedlings as they grow. As the season trends, uh, uh, moves into summer, then you tend to what is growing well. You direct your resources more. You prevent diseases. You keep the bugs away, pests away. You water. You water well. You fertilize it. You prune. You support. You monitor and you protect your crop. That's what you do during the summer season. And when fall comes... This is the time to harvest. You want to get the crops out as quickly as possible with least damage before things rot away. And you want to do it as efficiently and cost-effectively as possible while keeping the field also at, in good condition. And when winter comes, everything dies. You get your finances in order for the next year. You square your accounts with any vendors. You repair your equipment so that they'll be ready for next season. And you review your successes and your failures. All things have seasons. But depending on how your family dealt with endings and beginnings, you probably feel differently about these two important seasons, beginnings and endings. My family did beginnings very well. We talked about it. We planned it, we embraced it, we prayed about it. But we didn't do endings well, didn't talk about it, didn't pray about it. Some of us think endings as purely negative instead of seeing it as an important stage into a new beginning. Stage two, maturity, new life. I have to confess that endings are still hard for me. It kind of brings back a lot of painful memories. But if we begin to view endings not as negative, something bad to be avoided, but instead begin to see it as a positive, as an entry point, as a door into a new place, new life, 
perhaps that better reflects the gospel that we have heard growing up again and again. How do you feel about endings? How did your family grow, grow um, ham, family of uh, origin handle endings? Did, did they show you that it's normal and natural part of life? Or did you consider it as wrong and bad and to, to be avoided? Do you find yourself having difficulty embracing endings in your life? Some of us here need to make some tough decisions. We need to end relationships that are toxic and harmful and have no signs of any real change. Some of us need to fire an employee. I have to fire myself. Some of us need to get out of certain social ties or activity commitments that have passed. Some of us need to let go of a dream that is not going to materialize. I had to let go of my dream of going back to school to study more, and our third child came. Some of us need to leave a job, change career, change majors, especially if you've never really thought deeply, prayed earnestly about them. Some of us need to stop helping people, perhaps people who are addicted to certain behaviors or actions, who have no interest in changing their lives. But we don't. We don't stop those things because the loss, the end, even considering those things, are just too scary for many of us. Ending feels and triggers that feelings of defeat, failure, giving up. Especially if we had traumatic experiences, it does that even more. Some of our families were very honest about losses and endings and had a positive impact in you. You faced it knowing that it was an entry point to hope and new beginnings future is bright. Some of us, we lived in a family where didn't see good models of endings and losses and found, saw people who medicated themselves the pain through self-destructive or other addictive behaviors. And we may be doing that ourselves. Some of our families blamed other people or something else when instead of courageously looking at themselves. Some of our families always blame, blame themselves and retreating to isolation and depression. One of the things that my therapist helped me realize as I was working through my, one of my issues was that I was forced to endure and work through my childhood endings and losses alone. No one work with me. And I was never modeled how to grieve through and work through those kind of significant losses. No wonder I have a hard time. I was never taught how to expect them, 
how to grieve through them, how to see those as an opportunity for new beginnings. I never really learned to do that. So I hated changes. I hated endings even more. I used to think and feel that endings were bad because they felt like failures. Um, but I find myself, I found myself repeating, repeating the gospel message. New life, new beginnings are only possible when something dies. It's the crux of the gospel. It is through the life and death of Jesus that resurrection life happens to us all. I don't pretend that endings or losses or deaths are not painful. They are. They hurt. But now I am reminded to choose to see them as an entry point to new beginning and new life, new opportunities. Pastor Peter Schizero asked two of these questions in his book. What is it time to let go in my personal life and in my leadership? And what might be something that you have to let go in your personal life and in your leadership life? And the following question, if I embrace this death, this loss, this end, what new thing might be standing backstage waiting to make its entrance in my life and in my leadership? As a follower of Christ, you and I are compelled to embrace this, not just talk about it, but in the way we make choices, we are called to trust that and follow that. A seed has to die to bear abundant fruit 30, 60, 100 times. That's an amazing return that you can't expect anywhere in any market, but it has to die to have new beginning and bear even more fruit. Jim Collins, the famous writer of Good to Great, Built to Last, many other books, when he was in his grad school at Stanford, he was taking a creativity and innovation class from these two professors. One of the professors by the name of Rochelle Myers kind of rebuked Jim, saying, I noticed, Jim, that you are a rather undisciplined person. He took offense of that. It's like he prided himself in being a hardworking, diligent goal-setting go-getter. Rochelle continued by saying, your genetic energy level enables your lack of discipline. Instead of leading a disciplined life, you lead a busy life. And she threw out these two questions. It's an assignment, 2010 assignment, and it went like this. Suppose you woke up, and you might have heard these questions, so this is nothing new. Suppose you woke up tomorrow and received two phone calls. First call tells you that you have inherited $20 million, no strings attached. And second phone call telling you that you have an incurable terminal disease and you have 10 healthy years left. What would you do differently? And more importantly, what would you stop doing so that you really begin to do what you really feel called to do and find, find value in doing? So Jim, in his annual New Year resolution time, instead of writing a list of just new things he's going to do, he has a list of what he's going to stop doing. 
so that he can focus on what really is important, what aligns with his belief and values of his life. Instead of looking at endings as bad and harmful or defeating, what if you and I begin to embrace them as part of life that God's giving us to enter into something even more beautiful? Instead of just setting new goals every year, what if you and I begin to also set goals for ending? Instead of fearing them, what if we learn to welcome them, embrace them as gifts that God is holding on to give to you and me? Because I stepped down from my former church, now I get to serve here as an associate pastor probably a better position for someone who's uh, ESTJ. And because I stepped down from full-time ministry, now I also get to serve people and other churches as a financial and stewardship coach and helping them grow and churches grow toward peace, financial independence, and generosity. What might the good Lord be calling you to stop and end in this season so that you can begin something new, even more beautiful and fruitful in your life. If you, I used to teach in Wisconsin, so half of the students actually live in farms. They had chores starting early in the morning, like 4.30, and they came to school at 7.30. By the time classes started, they milked 20 cows and did all that, like literally. But because we don't get to experience that, we miss out on the reality of this organic life cycle. For them, if they don't do certain things at a certain time, they'll just lose it. They don't get to plant something whenever they want to, they have to plant the crops at the right season. And if they don't milk the cow in the morning, then they don't get it later. It just disrupts the whole cycle. But because we don't live in that organic cycles of starting and ending, but instead because you and I, we, we live with this technology where you know, we get to work whenever we want to, regardless of the season, we can still be productive, we can work, 2 in the morning or 2 p.m. in the afternoon. And as long as we get the work done, and I enjoy the beauty of that, it doesn't matter. But because we live in such a society, in a cultural context where real timing and seasons aren't really recognized and valued in the same way, we perhaps don't get to realize the significance of seasons and timing ourselves. Certain opportunities are really God's timing. If I miss it, if you miss it, it might not come back for a long, long time. It might not come back. And if you and I don't get to recognize that, the opportunities that God's giving you and me and CGS in this unique season, whether to serve and lead or make impact in our family, in our neighborhood, 
or in our work, in our church context, we might miss it. What is God calling you to end so that he can begin something new and beautiful? Seasons matter. What season are you in? CGS, what might God be inviting you to courageously examine to end? And what might God be challenging you to courageously examine to begin? Let's pray.